Hey, this is Devin Michael with the Higher Quality Podcast. Super excited to be interviewing you. So could you introduce yourself, your role, and the company that you work at? My name is Nate Wiley, and I'm currently the Chief Recruiting Officer and founder of Infinite Talent. It's a full-time consulting service, offering talent acquisition consulting services primarily to startups and small to mid-sized businesses. What is top of mind for you as a talent leader at your organization? One is the impact that technology and AI is going to have on recruiting as a whole moving forward. And then also what does the future for a lot of talent acquisition professionals look like since I do not believe that Companies are going to hire bad recruiters at the volume at which they did. What's something unique about you as a talent leader at your organization that makes you a perfect fit for that job? I've recruited for nearly every industry over my 12 years, and so I do have experience working in the manufacturing space, distribution, uh, marketing, sales, high volume, engineering, tech. So I, I kind of get to bring all that together and sell myself as someone who can um, find great talent regardless of the industry. We made it to the last question. What is the worst question you've ever been asked in an interview? We were talking about um, salary and and what I was potentially looking for just to confirm what had been uh, discussed earlier on in the conversations. And when I provided my range, the interviewer continuously kept asking me, is that the absolute lowest you could go. And no matter what my response was, she continued to drop it by two to 3,000. What's up everyone? I am Devin Michael, the host here on the Higher Quality Podcast for actually our first ever episode, super excited. I'm joined by Nate Wiley, co-founder and chief recruiting officer at Infinite Talent. Super excited to have you here, Nate. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it, Devin. We're going to unpack your journeys today, obviously, but we want to start with the interview that they just heard in the beginning of this call. There's one call I have that I want to get your opinion on right off the bat. So you in your interview with me said that you don't believe that recruiters will be hired back in the same level that they were before. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. you jumped right into that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do like the formal journey, but like I like to just jump right in because it's right off of the bat, right? Right off of the interview that they just heard. I want to make sure that they get color on it. At least it shocked me. Like that's a I feel like that's kind of a hot take. So I wanted to see kind of unpack that a little bit and see what you think about that. I do firmly believe that, but not in a way that I want anyone to be like fearful. I, I just think As with most things, we just have to figure out how do we pivot, how do we become more agile, how do we upskill and just increase our value as recruiters for whatever this next phase of work is going to be. Um, But I have been doing a lot of um, just networking calls with with different founders and and different leaders that uh, work with different recruiting technology. And I can say I'm impressed. I, I, I look at it and I um, sit in on demos or either they show me some screenshots or just walk me through what the platform does. And I'm like, yeah, we don't really need, you know, coordinators like we used to. Or, yeah, like that's mm. that's the sources job. And so I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here, you know, <laughs> wheels turning like, yeah, that's that's going to really take some folks jobs in a way. But I do believe that recruiters have a place. Um, 
because it is still technology, it is still a machine and it needs to learn from human behavior and who knows better than a recruiter. So I've been telling um, recruiters for quite some time that they should really look into like customer success management and try to attach themselves to some of these platforms and be able to help companies set it up in a way that um, if they were to hire a team of recruiters or recruiting operations, then it's, it's almost like having that person, you know, in-house or assisting you with the actual setup because they've done it before. And so they can actually configure it in a way that's more, uh, has like more of a human touch to it. You're in a space that I think a lot of recruiters, a lot of talent leaders probably want to be in where you're getting to interface with and stay in tune with like the leading edge. So talk to us about who you are, what you do. Uh, I promise we'd come back to it. So who you are, what you do, add a little color to what infinite talent is and kind of how you got there. Yeah. So been in recruiting now coming up on 12 years. I need to just start saying 12 years. I don't know why I'm <laughs> counting the days. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. <laughs> so uh, I started off in, in staffing and I like to tell the story because I hear from a lot of people that uh, they kind of just fell into recruiting. My entry into recruiting was pretty intentional and it came from after I graduated from college. I was getting so frustrated with getting rejection emails and not getting mm. callbacks. And I just became very curious as to, you know, who is, who's on the other side of this thing? Like what, what is going on? Like I'm, I'm hitting submit. Like I, <laughs> I get an yep. email saying your, your application is under review, but what does that really mean? And so that's where my initial interest uh, came into recruiting. And from there, I just um, tried to you know connect with different people, got into staffing. I, I think that's a great boot camp. If you want to be a recruiter, it just really teaches you the process and how to be very diligent and you know, how to persevere through those ups and downs, um, moved in-house uh, with a, a small business, you know, the only recruiter that they had. And so I was doing everything from, you know, posting a job through actual onboarding uh, and, mm. and doing like first day orientation. It was, it was a small company. So you were like so, the HR uh, department. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was HR department essentially. Gotcha. Um, but again, like every, every role I've had, and I'll continue to walk you through it, it's, it's me taking an assessment of, okay, I like this. I don't like this. How do I, you know, my next step needs to be more of this, less of that. And so from there, I wanted to get with a larger company who had more technology, more systems, more process. And so I went to, uh, you know, this global manufacturing company and got the team that I wanted, got, you know, a, 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 a um, robust ATS system and they had all the structure. And so I got that piece of it. Then, um, my eyes got directed towards tech and I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's where I need to be. <laughs> yeah. I saw recruiters having, having a lot of fun. I was like, wait a minute, my job is not that fun. And so that's where, um, you know, I started working hard towards trying to get into tech recruiting, got with Lyft, um, spent four years at Lyft, was able to work my way up to management. Um, I got to uh, manage recruiting teams for both the business operations side, fleet and data science, data engineering, machine learning. And so, my goal at Lyft was like, okay, I'm going to absorb everything I can while I'm here. Like I want to touch every piece of this business and, and just really learn and make a lot of connections. Um, my most recent role was a head of talent for a startup. Um, and really what that position was uh, getting me ready for infinite talent. And so my gotcha. ultimate goal over the last year and a half was to be a full-time consultant, but I need to be able to sell myself and able to say, I've done these things. I, I have experience. And so I've been very intentional about the experience I was trying to get throughout my career. And now with Infinite Talent, 
I have a large network of people from Lyft primarily who've gone on to do all these great things and startup companies and work with, um, you know, now they're CEOs or COOs, VPs, all these different things. And so now I'm doing a lot of networking and that's where a lot of that conversation is coming from. It's just me sort of, uh, you know, reaching out and rebuilding those bridges in a sense uh, so that if they ever do need some sort of uh, talent acquisition consulting, they'll keep me in mind. And my goal right now is to try to scale that business. I have to jump back. I so, feel like you you went over it, but I got to know, like, what are those what are those jobs you did that were like, ah, no. Like before you, you oh. said I had to do a couple, like what were those? So I got my degree in uh, psychology. And okay. so I tried to make it work in some way, shape or form. So my first job out of college was, it was called a residential counselor two. And the only reason it was called a residential counselor two and not a one was because I had a degree, which just meant I gotcha. made like 50 cents more an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But it was, it was at a, uh, it was like a group home setting. Uh, for, uh, let's say, troubled youth. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the crazy part of the story that I like to tell people, the, the floor I worked on was the male floor, and it was ages, I want to say, like 16 to 21 was the oldest that they could, could be, you know, in this facility. Mind yeah. you, I'm fresh out of college. I'm like 22 23, they're right. 21. And these are, you know, people with, with issues. So I was literally like fighting every day. Uh, so, so, <laughs> and it, it's crazy the, the things that now thinking back is like, I would never do that. But in the moment when I was working, that's just, that was my job. And, you know, I, I came to work ready for yeah. whatever may, may go on, but I did that for about a year or so. And then I moved uh, to this other company that offered intensive in-home care. So it was essentially trying to catch children before they got to the point where they need gotcha. to go to a residential facility. But it, again, I just started to learn, yeah, this isn't for me. I, it, yeah. it just, it was literally just, you know, you don't need to get so angry. You don't need to be so mad. And these kids just like to fight. Like it, 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 it just is what it is. Like they were just angry. It got to a point. I was like, let me get out of the way. This is right. this isn't like, for me. you know what? I'm not stopping. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. I, uh, I don't have that story, but like for me, it was, <laughs> I didn't fall into this world, but like I was before this company, I was doing a food truck, like completely other type of entrepreneurial endeavor. And I was like, you I'm tired of, yeah, I was cooking. I'm like the main, nice. I was the main cook. Like I was creating okay. menu, doing all that. And like, I was like, I don't like coming home smelling like this every day. <laughs> and we were up at like 2 a.m. because we we're a late night food truck. So we're up super late i'm like mm. this this can't be the one so technology was always attractive so were, obviously so y'all were like outside the club like when when they let out that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly what it was yeah it was great um okay so went through that started in staffing how long were you in the staffing realm and how long did you want to be i was in staffing from i got in late 2011 i want to say and then I went in-house maybe in 2014, I want to say, if I'm thinking right. So roughly, you know, around two and a half, going on three years. Um, and I worked at two different staffing agencies. And it was cool, though. Like, it was cool. Like, I was making, you know, decent money. I was doing what I wanted to do. I was recruiting. I didn't like the the sales aspect of it. Um, it, it was all about, you know, just getting people in seats 
and honestly selling a dream. You know, every every contract role, I reached out to someone about like, oh, it could go perm. You know, I didn't know that. I don't know. Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so but yeah. but I wanted to I wanted to increase my spread. So, you know, you're trying to get as many people on the books as possible. Um, but I, I did enjoy it. I like the feel of it. And I think the biggest difference I can say going from staffing to going to in-house was just how, you know, as a recruiter, I was valued in staffing because I was the money maker. And gotcha. so I got, you know, we we get the, the happy hours and, you know, lunches and trips and, you know, all that kind right. of good stuff. Then you go in-house, you're just a support <laughs> service and it's just kind of, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like yep. just do the job description, you know, just yeah. read resumes. Like we don't, we don't need nothing else from you. And so I, I did yeah. feel that big difference, but I do enjoy the, the impact that being in-house has and, and just building those relationships internally. Right. Like you don't get that on the staffing side. Right. You bring a good point though. Cause like one of the things, I mean, one of the reasons we want to do this podcast is like, we want to bring, Shed more light on recruiting. I feel like it's one of those areas, like you just mentioned, it's just a support service. Mm-hmm. From the company lens, it's viewed as a cost center most of the time. Um, but yeah. in reality, it's like a lot of times the, the revenue stops or the company's operation stops if you don't have recruiters. So like in your mind, like how do you feel like recruiters can get more, or that's, we'll call it say recruiting leaders can get more of a seat at the table for the entire org's viewpoint on them. Like what is, have you ever thought about like how you can be viewed in a different light than a support service, if that makes sense? Yeah, all the time. Um, I think that's every recruiting leader's dream, right? Is to to be, you know, shoulder to shoulder with, you know, an, an operational leader or a finance leader. It's, right. it's like those, those individuals automatically get to sort of, you know, walk around with their, their chest out and their chin up. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I know what my impact is. Right. I don't, I don't know why. It, it's tough, Devin. I, I want to be honest. Like, it's 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 a constant. Like, it doesn't matter how successful the recruiting team is or the talent acquisition organization is. It's just, it, it always seems to fall back under, you know, that HR people umbrella of just, like, housekeeping item mm-hmm. uh, of, of something that just, you know, we know we need it. We know it's required. But I don't know. Uh, well, let me say this. I, I think it would make progress the better we can tie. OK, we found, you know, these individuals that built out this team, that built this product, that brought in this revenue. Right. Let's let's reverse engineer that back to how did those people get here? You know, right. you all told us what you needed. We delivered. And now look where the company is. Like if we can start to just repeat that story so many times, I think leaders can start to really understand, okay, like it really does start with who we're actually bringing into this organization. If we get that right, it's, it's pretty hard to fail when you have the right people in the room, Facts. in the company, in the organization. Um, that's, that's what I've seen in my experience. Um, and it, it got to a point in my career where I just look at it all, I don't know, like a like I'm watching a a game or something. Like it, it's funny to me. Like it's like okay, like this person has a lot of influence. Like this person is just kind of just here. You know, mm-hmm. they they don't really say much in meetings. They don't have much input, but they've been here for so long. Can't touch them. You know, they're kind of like Teflon, but they're right. not really adding the input. And like I just start, I, I size up people a lot in, in organizations, and it it just really. You know, it got fun to me in that regard, but it, it also helps, you know, when you're trying to navigate your own career because you can be a lot more strategic because you understand, right. OK, like I can 
impress this person and yeah i'll probably get that promotion like right, they, like they seem to have a lot pool, of pull like yeah like yeah, <laughs> yeah so i that's something that i, I kind of got good at i feel like when we talk to you know i talk to recruiters weekly uh recruiting leaders weekly and one of the funniest things to me is um i i've always paralleled recruiting to sales i think there's a lot of parallels mm-hmm. there uh yeah. in a lot of senses recruiting is sales but anyways um We'll ask some very simple baseline questions like, you know, we'll get in the meeting. They're like, you know, what's qualified? Tell them what qualify is. And then they're like, well, how does it, you know, the main thing we want to see this do is I want to see it speed up our process. I want to see some efficiency, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what are the, like, what does that look like for you today? Like, what's your time mm-hmm. to hire? And it's like, I, I feel like that's an answer you should have off the bat, but it's not <laughs> like, it, like literally like I'd say 80% of our, people we're talking to they don't know their metrics for starters like baseline i feel like recruiting as an industry is a bit behind on being data-led if that makes sense and you probably you probably have seen it less being in tech recruiting but i wonder if Mm -hmm. like your your role before lyft i wonder if they were a little less tech forward and a little less um like data centric what was what's been your experience with that now nah, we could actually uh, we could include Lyft in that equation. So, <laughs> I nah, I'm glad we're having this conversation because it's I, I love the TA space because it's it's evolving and because once upon a time, you know the the data I'm not gonna say it wasn't as important, but it's just I still to this day know a lot of recruiters who are not anti data, but they don't care, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just sort of it is what it is. I let another team focus on all that. Um, but it's, you can have success and progress in recruiting without knowing all those different metrics. Usually if things are going right, right. and the, you just can't tell the story of why things are going right, but usually no one is asking the question if things are going right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so as long as good hires are coming through the door, like nobody's really caring Nobody's about tripping. you know yeah. actually you know how many screens did you have or how many you know interviews did we do and you know what what was the diversity of the pipeline you know like if, mm-hmm. if things are are flowing the way they should you know nothing doesn't look too lopsided at the end it, it appears to be fair and equitable okay everybody's fine it's when you know stuff hit the fan or things aren't going that well and you know, it's getting pointed back to recruiting. That's when they <laughs> want to dig into each part of the process. Like, yeah. oh, okay, you only spoke to X amount of people and, you know, your pass-through rates suck. And, you know, these people are falling out at the assessment. Like, how do they even get this far? And that's when you start getting all those tough questions. Um, that's kind of hard to answer unless you actually have the numbers and the data to back it up. But I think the the data piece of it is not necessarily easier for recruiting, but there are a lot of tools and platforms out there that does a lot of that for you. Mm-hmm. I am not a data analyst by any means, but like the last couple of years at Lyft, like my peers were coming to me saying, Hey, like, I, you know, I like those dashboards you have set up. Like, can you show me how to do that? And it just got to a point where I was just sitting with the tools we had and it was like, Oh, okay. All I got to do is, okay, this is an actually calculated automatically oh, okay i can just you know automate this report and so now it looks like i'm this data guy but right. really i just spent you know a day or two just setting it up it. <laughs> right and so now now when a leader asks me you know what does our pipeline look like i'm just clicking a button boom mm-hmm. here you go this is that's exactly what it looks like and so it's that simple yeah it, it worked yeah i mean I, I that's why i really love technology because it, it's an equalizer right like it's 
I, I couldn't I couldn't give you a you know a very detailed data report if you told me to build it out in Excel or something like that. Like, okay, it's going to take me a while. I need to figure some things out. But if we have a platform that has reporting built into it, I just need to take the time to you know move some widgets around, make sure you know the data is accurate, and and we're going to get some some good information from it. I first of all, I'm team lift over Uber. I'll throw that out there publicly. Um, <laughs> but are you 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 had an experience there four years? Talk to me about some of the projects that you guys underwent while you were there. Maybe something that you mm-hmm. led, uh, change that you like, some shifts that you made happen there. And you even said, I mean, you cited like they're not they weren't as data centric as you thought they or I thought they'd be. Um, what are some of the projects that you guys were doing during your time there? We use data at Lyft. I'm, I was saying like, I don't, I couldn't see it from a, you know, every individual in talent acquisition was, you know, gotcha. you know, making every decision based off the data. And if I'm being honest and people at Lyft can fight me on this one, I saw us stalling on making any decisions or progress because they were kind of using where is the data as a, just kind of like a stalling technique. Whereas you're sitting in a room with a lot of, you know, TA knowledge, you, you want me to run and go spend some time, you know, to throw some numbers on a, on a dot just to convince you when it's sort of, you know, we're, we're bleeding out right now. We're, right. we're telling you we're doctors, which one do you, what, what do you want to do? Like, right. <laughs> do you want me to, do you want me to go find my certificate or do you want me to just get the work to stop the bleeding? Right. It's, it's exactly. kind of the way I would do it. So, um, but as far as projects, we did a lot of good work at, at Lyft. And I, I think I really enjoyed my time at Lyft because they were a company that would give someone who had, you know, the interest and or, you know, that that drive to to want to do more. They'll they'll put you on a project. They'll, you know, they'll let you co-lead it. They'll, uh, you know, attach you to, to something that's going to get a lot of visibility from leadership. And so it was a lot of opportunity there if you wanted to kind of progress pretty quickly and get your hands dirty in something other than recruiting. And so I know um, a colleague and I uh, led a whole project on just recreating the candidate experience. And we mapped out um, all the parts and, and components that um, go into it and then also assign that to uh, a user essentially. So what, what does, what part does the recruiter, uh, recruiting coordinator play? What part does the recruiter play? What part does the hiring manager specifically play? Uh, the interview team, you know, we was trying to tell the story that we all have responsibility around candidate experience and we can't just put it all on one person. Right. And so we mapped all that out, um, you know, presented it out. It was widely accepted. Um, my my co-partner on that project, she was good at Excel. And so like she created this um this like tool. It was called like the art of rejection tool. And essentially she we well, we did a lot of crowdsourcing from other recruiters, but we just try to think about all the different scenarios that come around, you know, rejecting the candidate or declining the candidate at every stage of the process and made it very easy to where she just added drop down lists like, okay, this candidate at this stage, you know, completed this many interviews, what, what is the the best way to let them down? Like, should it be mm-hmm. a phone call? Should it be an email? What should the email say? Should we offer, you know, the opportunity to follow up with someone? And, and so we really tried to be very thoughtful about that part. Um, Cause honestly, uh, Devin, I think that's what it comes down to, right? When people talk about the candidate experience, it's, 
I didn't get the job, but how do I feel after um, yes. getting the job? Because when people get the job, you don't usually hear them complain about much, right? right. Like, it, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yep. it, it could have been, you know, a very prolonged, you know, clunky type of interview process, but they got that offer letter. They're happy. They're, you know, like, right. oh, it was You're great. Was I loved A-plus. everybody. Like, <laughs> That's so, a good so point. you really have to think. You have to think about the people who don't get the job, and how do they feel after? Um, do they feel like strung along, or do do they feel like they even had a shot in the first place? A lot of that kind of goes into it, and that's what we thought through um, in, in that project. Gotcha. But to the point of projects, we we also, to be honest, there were a lot of, and not just at Lyft. I don't want to pick on Lyft. At, at a lot of companies. Um, that uh, either I work with or known people who've worked there. Like there are a lot of projects that just don't seem to go anywhere. Um, you know, like it's it's a lot of you know interest and excitement in the beginning, and then it sort of just you know fizzles out, and right. nobody knows what happened. Like oh, I thought we were supposed to be you know redoing all of our jobs. <laughs> like right. like, like nah. people people just got busy uh, yep. doing certain things, but we did um, implement some some good tools. In my time there, it, it almost got a bit overwhelming at some point. And I think um, before I departed, there was, you know, uh, trying to do some sort of uh, like an audit of all yeah. of our different tools and, and usage, just because I think some of them, uh, you know, was was um, was repetitive or, yeah. or kind of duplicated efforts. You know, there, we don't need, you know, four or five different types of you know, sourcing channels, like if, if they're all pulling from LinkedIn or they're all, right. pulling, you know, they're all, they're all doing tied the same, to the same thing, thing you know, right, yeah. right. So let's, let's simplify this a little bit, but uh, I, I enjoy tools and, and technology. So I was never one to complain about it um, until they were kind of shoved down my throat and it was like, oh, you need to start using this. I'm like, okay, but I'm using this one. Y'all told me I had to use this one. Now, I, so, right. so it, it kind of got to a point of, you know, how, uh, how efficient do you all want me to operate? Like, I don't, right. I don't think you all want me to just spend a bunch of time uh, putting information into multiple tools when that's that's not really going to get us results. When you're doing the candidate experience audit, which I think is mm-hmm. really cool, you were looking at coordinator, recruiter, hiring manager. Who was holding this process back the most? I have a prediction, but I just want to see what you what you found. So I can I can almost answer that in two ways if I'm being honest. So. If I was to, I hate doing this, and so I'm not, I'm not physically doing it. Just, just for the purposes of the, of the, of the podcast. If I had to point a finger, is usually a hiring leader, right? Because that's not their full time job. They, like you mean like, you know, like data engineering manager, like, like right. that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. So you know, product manager, you know, whoever, whoever yep. needs needs to hire. Now, mind you, there are there are some higher managers who are very involved and want to be on top of it, and almost you know too much. So it's like, all right, I, I got it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but but usually the the average one, you know, are going to be more so responsive to the recruiter and and try and kind of reciprocate the recruiter's energy. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said there's kind of two ways I can answer that. If I was to point a finger and say who's the holdup, a lot of times it's trying to you know get the hiring manager aligned with what i need to do or what needs to be done rather um but i can say and i could point the finger at myself it's usually up to a recruiter to like project manage this right right like you have to be the facilitator like even your coordinator is, is sort of a support person so if you see you know uh a weak link let's let's call it like it's up to you like hey 
it's, you know, it's taken three days to get these interviews scheduled. Is there anything I can help you with? Like, you know, do you need more information from me? Would it help you if I go ahead and get availability while I'm on the phone? Would that help you speed up scheduling? Like you, it's up to the recruiter to kind of quarterback this right. whole thing and, and understand like, how do, how do we make it most efficient? And then when you see something that isn't going as smoothly, like you have to point it out and, and try to solve for it. And so that's why I would say in, in mapping out that candidate experience, we always circled back to, yeah, the recruiter has to own this. Like, it, yeah. it, there's just no way around that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like setting the the proper expectations up front. I mean, you could call it the intake call with the, the hiring manager, but really yeah. just generally like setting that proper expectation with the hiring leader is so crucial, I feel like, because yeah, you could do all the work as a, like, you could be the best recruiter in the world, do all the work, get them to the point where they're ready to, to have that next conversation. And then, you know, the hiring manager's like, okay, I'll handle it. And then you got to wait like a week and a half and they still haven't scheduled with the person. Like that happens far too often. And that's how I feel like another black, we talk a lot about like the resume black hole, but there's also the black hole mm-hmm. of like, I've made it past recruiter stage, but I'm still waiting on the hiring manager to make a choice. And that's like, a, I don't know. I feel like one, both of them cause drop off, but I feel like that's a, untapped area that needs to be talked about more within within teams so I, I think what i try to tell especially job seekers who haven't seen behind the curtain i try to get them to understand and and i don't even know how to fully articulate it it's like you all there are so many different things that go on and i always try to tell them you can't take any part of this process personally because it's no one is is out to get you right. intentionally like but you have to understand like this is a business and, you know, unless it's a staffing company, like right. <laughs> the company's business is usually not, you know, hiring people like it's 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 pushing out this product or, I don't know, selling the service, whatever, whatever it is. But, you know, I, there have been cases where, you know, one particular hiring manager is holding up the process just because they haven't taken the time to review, you know, the candidates that were sent over or we, we don't they've already interviewed three or four people, but they're terrible at putting their scorecards in the system. Like mm-hmm. they don't, you know, they don't give the recruiter feedback. And then you got to think, uh, a talent acquisition team's clock and calendar runs uh, entirely different than a, a candidate's calendar. You know, a week for us is nothing. Like, you know, right. this week flew by. A week for a candidate waiting to hear back is forever. <laughs> you know, just, like, yeah. <laughs> right. <And> so <laughs> it's, they're literally on pins and needles. And so it's, it's that, not even disconnect, but just that that misunderstanding of, you know, a week, you know, you, you just interviewed, you know, last Tuesday, it give us some time. Like, right. and usually recruiters are working on multiple recs, right? Like it's, you know, I, they have to sort of like prioritize their tasks as well. And that may have been in their, uh, you know, outline for the week. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then the back half of the week, I'm going to focus on this because I'm behind and I can't, you know, do both. And so it's, I think it's important for recruiters to be a lot more transparent and just kind of share what all is going on. I used to be honest with myself and I used to try to be as vague as possible about when I may follow up just because I didn't want to put myself in a hole of saying, you know, I'm going to have an answer for you right. by end of day Friday when I know I'm working with a team that I don't know. Like they, <laughs> they don't even respond to my slacks. So, right. you know, like, <laughs> so I don't know. I want to tell you that, but, you know, as soon as possible sounds a lot better. Like I can, you know, hold myself to that because that's probably going to be the truth about it. But yeah, it's 
there are those uh, like those black holes that you mentioned, um, and they can they can just look different. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, we we may be on pause just because we don't know how an adjacent situation may play out, and that's mm. going to impact this role and you know how much budget we may have for this position, or you know we may need an additional analyst. So let's not give any feedback because we may hire the best two oh, and not yeah. just the best one. You know, so it's True. it's a lot of different things that can go into it. Yeah, I do. And I'm, I'm going to move into the next segment of the show, which is fun. You took the the uh, pre-interview, right? So we all heard the qualified interview that you took. I'm actually going to give that experience to the audience as well. So I have like a question that I ask for everyone um, every every episode. So I have a special question for the group. And the way it'll work for those listening, you actually can get involved and answer this question. The link to answer it will be in the show notes here. But um, I want to give Nate the first pass at the question. So question is, what is the most important skill recruiters should be great at if they want to be relevant in the future of work? Mm. I feel like you have a unique that view on a, this one, potentially. That's a great question. <laughs> I feel like it's cliche with the world, world we're living in, but definitely that embracing not even embracing, like getting comfortable with like the data and the technology piece. Um, not just for like your own value, but just to make you more efficient in what you do. Um, I think just myself, like going on this entrepreneurial journey I am right now, like I'm able to do a lot of things myself because technology has made it easier, right? So I'm I've got decent with Canva and, you know, I have different systems that handle scheduling for me and creating documents and all that kind of good stuff. So mm -hmm. re recruiters, you know, they're, they're usually very good at at the, the people aspect of it. Right. Like we're very comfortable hopping on the phone. You know, we even get good at delivering bad news or even putting, you know, spin on on something that may not be that great for someone to hear. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where you you have to you almost have to recognize your your competition if that makes sense and so the competition right now is technology and leaders do want to understand more of the data behind you know how you're going about hiring versus just that blind trust and that's something I had to learn not the hard way but it, it took me a while like I, I for a while I just wanted to leaders to just believe me when I tell you. Like right. it, it was just kind of like I've been doing this for a while. Like why? Why are you? you know, I, I feel like you're. You know, it's a slap in the face for you to not think that I don't know what I'm doing right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. But but it was, but I had to put myself in their shoes. Like they're running a business, um, and usually it's is where they have to present something to someone above them, and they can't go to that meeting and just say I trust Nate to get it done. Mm -hmm. Like they they need to to see my plan, my process, and have the data to back up you know, why does this plan have a probability of being successful? And so the younger a recruiter is in their career where they can really start to, you know, hone those those data analysis skills, I think they're going to be able to fly a, a lot farther, especially more than I did. Like, like I said, it took me a while to come around to it. Yeah. But, um, you know, especially, you know, people younger than me now, like they grew up with with more technology. True, you know, true. At, at, as sort of at, at hand. And, and so it just makes sense that they would kind of be a lot more accepting and embrace it a lot quicker than some of the, the older recruiting professionals, I would say. Yeah. 
That's a good answer. That's a real good answer. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you hopping on, Nate. Uh, how can everyone listen to this? How can they connect with you? Uh, what are some things you want them to know about you kind of in, in closing and, you know, your time to plug your, your channels? Oh, I appreciate that. Um, a little extra gift. I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nah, they can definitely everyone can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's that's probably my my main playground. I'm there all day, uh, just being nosy, snooping around people's <laughs> uh, profiles and companies and things like that. But um, yeah, if, if anyone wants to connect one on one, I do offer a uh, career coaching consulting service. Um, I'm trying to stay out of like the the tactical part of it, like actually, you know, writing your resume and, you know, typing up your your LinkedIn profile. Right. Um, what I what I like to do is just help people think about their careers strategically um, and kind of take a step back and understand, all right, like how long do you want to continue doing this? Uh, you know, is this what you really enjoy doing and how can we map out a career pivot if that's what would make you happiest? I think um what I found in speaking with a lot of job seekers and, and candidates is they don't even really like doing what it is they do. They just, you know, this is what I do. This is how I'll get money. I just need to, you know, find someone else to pay me money to do this. And again, going back to the technology piece, like I think now we live in a world where you can gain those skills um, and combine it with your experience to actually make a move into a position or a company or industry or whatever it is that you want to do that you may find a little bit more fulfilling. So that's that's kind of like my we'll call it a, a passion project yeah. to be cheesy. Uh, that's that's kind of what I like to do. Uh, and then there's, the, of course, the consulting side to, awesome. to kind of pay the bills. Awesome. Well, again, we appreciate it. If you're listening to this, definitely connect with Nate uh, on LinkedIn. He's probably undersold the amount of things that he's capable of helping you with. Um, and so definitely definitely connect so appreciate everyone listening if you thought this was valuable please subscribe follow us on social media so you don't miss a beat and we'll see you on the next episode